everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting theology to work in our everyday lives. My name is Matthew Kane, And I'm Mike Knox. And today, Mike, you're going to be talking to us about performance-based Christianity. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're going to learn how to be passionate pursuers and not just religious performers. In fact, uh, I'm going to come down so hard on performance-based Christianity that we might be hypocrites if we ask listeners to leave us a high performance rating in the future, Matthew. All right. Well, we don't want to do that. That does not sound good, but uh, there's no turning back now. So why don't you just tell us what you've got in mind with this title, Performance-Based Christianity? Well, Jerry Bridges expresses what the Christian life looks like for a lot of us. He says, we are saved by grace, but we are living by the sweat of our own performance. Just let that sink in. We are saved by grace, but we are living by the sweat of our own performance. It's as if our sinful hearts come with a default setting called works righteousness mode or self-performance mode. And at salvation, the Spirit graciously works in us and shows us how helpless we are to save ourselves and how we need to rely completely on someone else, on Christ alone. And the result is joy and freedom we'd never known before. Well, sometimes on my phone, I change a default setting regarding, say, alerts and notifications, only to have it start dinging again in the middle of the night. And somehow that setting flipped back to the default one. And it's the same with us in our Christian life. Something switches back. The joy, the power, the peace, poof, it's gone. Our eyes are on ourselves again instead of the Lord. And in place of the joy and peace, there's this insecurity, this heart racked with guilt. So what do we do? We try harder. Had we the sense to check, we'd notice that somehow our heart setting had slipped back from faith-based to works righteousness mode. Lee Strobel mentions the story of a pastor serving the Lord in Sin City, Las Vegas there, and he was saved from a major dr drug addiction by, by God's grace and starts reading the Bible nonstop and serving, serving, serving. And this is what he said. He said, for a long time, I had failed my family and God. So after I became a Christian, I got on a performance treadmill without realizing it. I was putting pressure on myself to please God as if I had to maintain my good standing with him by being a super Christian. I wanted to make up for lost time and show that God was justified in saving me. That's what I mean by performance-based Christianity. Notice what it's not called, true Christianity, because it isn't. And some of us, maybe all of us, need to check our hearts every day to make sure the setting hasn't gone back. And if it has, we need to learn by the Spirit of God how to get it back to faith-based Christianity. Matthew, uh, can you relate to any of this? Yeah, unfortunately, I'd say I can. It's actually bringing to my mind, like the words of Galatians 3, where he says, you know, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, having begun by the spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? So we, we know that in theory, and it's not that we're denying the gospel, like maybe was at risk of happening in that Galatian issue. But Galatians is still relevant to us. And what you're going to give us is still relevant to us, because that thinking so easily creeps into my mind. Yeah, I'm just going to try and think about the last time this happened to me. Um, oh, I think it was this morning, right? And yesterday morning and, and the day before. I mean, honestly, this is the biggest thing I struggle with in my Christian walk. And a passage I go to over and over is Philippians 3. I know you're going to take us there next week, Matthew, to talk about mentoring relationships. But I want to get there first before you. And I'm choosing this topic for this episode for my own well-being. I, I basically woke up this morning and thought, Maybe if I do an episode on it and teach it to others, once again, it'll help me sharpen up and preach it to myself a bit clearer too. 
Okay, well, good idea. And Mike, why don't you just give us a heads up, explain to us what actually is so dangerous about this thinking of performance-based Christianity that seems so common to us? Sure. And I mean, that's where Paul starts in Philippians 3 verse 1. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And to, for me to repeat this and say the same thing to you is no bother to me and it's safe. It's safe for you. So there's a danger, in other words, a danger in starting to base our joy on something other than the Lord, such as in myself and in my own performance. So we can smell danger in the first verse, but we can see it in the second verse. Three times, Paul says, beware, beware, look out. What's the danger? It's a group of people Paul calls dogs, evildoers, and then mutilators. Sounds really dangerous, right? But who's he talking mm -hmm. about? He's talking about people who may one day show up at Philippi with one goal, to turn their Christianity from faith-based mode to performance-based. This is why the word circumcision and righteousness pop up so often in the passage. These guys will come and say, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You have faith in Christ, but if you really want to be accepted by God, you have to add to Christ your own performance of the law, especially circumcision. It's Christ plus works. They're, they're messing up the doctrine of justification by, by faith. And all this can sound very theoretical until we realize that for some of us, the false teacher is the guy or girl looking back at us in the mirror. We don't believe this intellectually, maybe, but we live, we operate as if this is true. This false teaching bounces around in our hearts and it's so dangerous. Uh, Richard Lovelace says, very few Christians actually appropriate the justifying work of Christ in their lives. Below the surface of their lives, they are deeply guilt-ridden and insecure. Many have a theoretical commitment to this doctrine, but in their day-to-day -day existence, they rely on their sanctification for their justification. In other words, we can explain doctrine of justification by faith to others, but functionally, we are living as if it's not true. We're basing our acceptance with God on our own sanctification, on, on our own performance, the fervency and frequency of my prayers, my attendance record at going to the meetings of the local church, my giving, my serving, my witnessing. If I think I'm doing well, maybe I shared my faith with someone yesterday, I feel great. God accepts me. He's happy to see me. But if it's been a while, I feel like I can't come to God anymore. He mustn't love me anymore. And what seems to flow so quickly from that uh, thinking, Mike, too, is we start to compare ourselves with others, don't we? Yes, yes. Paul hints at this in verse four. He says, if anyone else thinks, you see someone comparing righteousness with others. And let me tell you, this is such a robber of gospel joy. I'm surrounded by Christians who are way more evangelistic, prayerful, generous, et cetera, than me. And that's devastating to me when I'm on performance-based mode. Remember that pastor guy on the performance treadmill trying to maintain his standing with God by being a super Christian? Well, let me tell you how far he went in his performance. He prayed, fasted, served the homeless, gave away everything he had to all he had left was one set of clothes. In other words, he smoked us. I mean, you and me, Matthew, I don't think we measure up. Not one of us is coming anywhere near that level of sacrifice. But listen to what this guy says. He says, it was never enough. I was only as good as my last performance, and my last performance was not very good. Now, Mike, I know we've got listeners right now, and this is resonating with them too, and, and they're maybe feeling guilty about feeling guilty. They're feeling guilty about being in that trap of performance-based Christianity, and, and they feel like it is a trap. There's no future. There's no way forward to this kind of thinking and living. What, what can you tell us? Well, first of all, just to agree, that's right. Uh, 
we're, we're going to get to the good news, wonderful good news for people who are struggling with this shortly. But there's, there's, it's worth taking one step more yet. So we've talked about the danger of this kind of thinking, but it's even more helpful to think about the impossibility of performance-based Christianity. This is actually quite liberating. So there's two reasons why performance-based Christianity is impossible. Number one, the nature of Christianity itself. So Paul says in verse three, he says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So we are the circumcision. In other words, Paul's saying we Christians are God's true people. And then he defines what Christians do and don't do. He basically defines true Christianity. He says, we are the circumcision. We are the true people of God who worship by the spirit. In other words, not by the flesh, not by ourselves. And we glory, we rejoice, we boast in Christ. Our confidence is in Christ. So that's what true Christianity does. Worshiping by the spirit, boasting, conf being confident in Christ. And then just to make it super clear, he says, this is what Christians don't do. We put no confidence in the flesh. Flesh meaning not sin nature here, but our human privileges and, and performance. So I like to picture a great big teeter-totter, you know, at the playground that they used to have. And, and you either put your weight on, on yourself, on like there's two sides, right? You either put your weight on, on self and self-performance, or you put your weight on Christ. It's either or, it's not both and. You can't balance this. So on the one side is Christ and his performance. You can find your joy in him, base your confidence in him, make him your boast, find your identity in him. On the other side is your performance. You can put your weight on, base your joy, your confidence, your boasting on your own record of righteousness. But what you can't do is trust both at the same time. As soon as you put a little bit of your weight and joy and boasting and confidence in human performance, you're not putting any of it on Christ. This is the impossibility of performance-based Christianity. As soon as it's performance-based, it's no longer Christianity. Because Christianity is serving by the Spirit, not human performance. It's boasting in Christ, not our performance. It's putting all your weight on Christ and no confidence in your own performance. Performance-based Christianity is an oxymoron. You can't have it both ways. It's like your lungs. You either inhale or you exhale, but you can't do both at the same time. This is the impossibility of performance-based Christianity. Once you start basing it on performance, it's no longer Christian. So, so that's the first reason why it's impossible. The nature of Christianity forbids it. it. It just doesn't work. But secondly, the nature of us Christians. Performance-based Christianity is out of our reach. And that's what verses 4, 5, and 6 show. So after saying in verse 3 that Christians put their full weight on Christ only and none on themselves, Paul says in verse 4 that if someone wanted to play that game, he could win. If anyone had reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul was the one. And, and so he gives us his moral resume. Circumcised on the eighth day. Even if these Philippians were to get circumcised, they would only have like, you know, the 33-year-old kind or the 65-year-old kind. You're already behind. You can never catch up. Paul has the eight-day kind, the ideal kind. And, and same with race. He's of the stock or people of Israel. Tribe, he, he can trace it to Benjamin. If any of these Philippians become, become Jews, they can never have these things on their resume. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, he persecuted the church. As to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. You see, performance-based Christianity is impossible because of Christianity's essence, Christ or self, not Christ plus self, but it's also impossible because of your essence. If you try to base your joy and confidence and insider status with God 
on your human birth, privileges, and performance, you'll never succeed. You'll never catch up. You'll never be good enough. There will always be a falling short, someone better than you. You can't do it. It's impossible. Get over it. Forget it. Be done with it. Settle in your mind. You can't. I'm so thankful uh, that a man caught me at a conference once and saw how I was trying to live performance-based Christianity, and he pointed his finger in my face and said, you can't do it. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You can't. All right, so those those are good, important points. And when we see the impossibility of it, I think it makes us want to forsake performance-based Christianity. It, it makes us want to leave it behind. So tell us the way forward. Yeah, we don't want to stop here. Uh, praise God, although there's no future to performance-based Christianity kind of living, there is a way forward. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll all guess what the cure is, right? It has something to do with Christ. And so when Paul goes through that moral resume of his, of what he could be confident in, he uses accounting language. Uh, those things that used to be his gains or credits is the word he uses. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And how do he stop putting his confidence in his moral resume? By receiving a greater treasure, one that was so great that it alone stood on the credit side of the ledger and put everything else into the loss or debit column. Verse 80 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So he now counts all his previous moral performance as rubbish. And we could use other words, uh, but maybe we better not. And then, and then in verse 8, he goes on to say, For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So here's the answer. Here's the cure, the surpassing worth of a personal relationship with Christ. So two things, let me, let me give us the cure in these two statements. Uh, first of all, remember what you get from a personal relationship with Christ. Remember what you get from a personal relationship with Christ. Paul says, verse nine, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I've always been a procrastinator. And when I was in high school, I had to make a science fair project. Well, I started the night before, uh, probably at about 9.30 at night. And I'm not uh, uh, boasting about this. this. It was quite embarrassing, really. I did this really pathetic experiment involving soap. I found a piece of cardboard that wouldn't stand up. I scribbled out some stuff on loose leaf painted the cardboard white, stuck it all on with glue. It looked awful. And I, I brought it to school the next day and my science teacher, who I really looked up to, took one look at it and I scooted out of the room before he could say, whose was that? And, and so we had to put them up in this big gym and I tried to find the darkest corner of the room and the least visible corner and, and just tucked it away there. And, and I stayed as far away from that project as I could. I didn't want to be found as it were, in my own righteousness and in, in, in what I had done in my own works and my performance. But my friend Owen, his dad has a PhD in science and works in science. And Owen had this amazing project, beautiful wood panel, you know, and uh, uh, just covered in felt and everything typed up and graphs and charts and so on. Do you know where I hung all day? I, I hung out in front of Owen's science for a project. And here's, here's the illustration. That science fair project, it's, it's a lot like performance-based Christianity. It's, it's what I'm saying. When we have a personal relationship with Christ, 
It's as if we get to stand and be associated with, with what Jesus has, which is the perfect righteousness of God. It's as if, it's as if the Lord Jesus was willing to stand the whole day in front of our pathetic righteousness, our performance, and answer for it and receive the, the judgment that our absolute failure at moral performance deserves. And then he enables us to be associated with and stand in front and receive the, the benefits and credit of, of what he has, which is the very perfect righteousness of God. So that's the first thing. This personal relationship with Christ is the cure because of what you get from it. The righteousness of God by faith in the Lord Jesus as a free gift apart from my works. But secondly, not only what you get, but who you get in a personal relationship with Christ. Paul says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may know him. Who? Know who? What's he like? I don't have a lot of time to show this, but Paul has written this passage in Greek with a whole bunch of verbal links to the chapter two passage where Christ, who eternally was in the form of God, took on the form of a slave and died on the cross. Words like count, Lord, found, form, conformed, etc., uh, all echo from, from chapter two passage to this chapter three passage. And, and the reason Paul was willing to count all his performances rubbish and suffer the loss of all things on account of Christ is because Christ didn't count equality with God as being grasping, but instead on the cross, he suffered the loss of all things, even his life, so that he could gain Paul and you and me. And he did this before we had any performance to speak of. This is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. We're found not in relationship to our performance. We're found in relationship to him. We have what he has, the righteousness of God, and we have him, one who is Lord of all and yet was willing to become a slave and suffer the loss of all things in order to gain us as his treasure. Great stuff, Mike. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, this passage in Philippians 3 actually became one of my favorite parts of the Bible to refer to. It's so helpful, and I need regular reminders on the very thing that you're speaking of today. I mean, we're not saying that it's wrong to want to please the Lord, but who are we trusting? What are we trusting in order to please the Lord? It's not wrong to work hard for God, but are we doing it by the grace of God, or are we just doing it in our own strength, and are we doing it for our own glory? Or are we, are we recognizing that this Christian life is really meant to be an adventure, a journey towards knowing Christ more. And that's what you've been making clear to us, becoming more like Christ here in Philippians 3. That's the way forward. And it's when we stop trusting in our own moral performance that we really actually begin to make progress in that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the irony, the paradox of it all. And I totally agree, Matthew. Um, uh, you know, our good works are actually good. It, they, they only become rubbish if we're tempted to start looking at them as the grounds on which uh, God should accept us and favor us. And uh, so I don't want to send the wrong message, but maybe I'll just finish with one final thought. And that, that is, this must be a daily thing. I mean, we talked about the whole default mode and so on and how easily we switch back to that uh, works righteousness uh, way of thinking. And so Paul uses the continuous tense in verse eight. He says, I keep counting everything as loss because I want to be found not in my own performance record, but in Christ and, 
and his perfect righteousness. So daily, we need to spot the times when we're, when we're slipping back to, to basing our acceptance on our own efforts and, and just take a moment to recognize, why would I want to do that? My efforts, my record, my resume is pathetic. I mean, I, I can't even keep up to the Christians beside me, never mind the, the standards of a holy God. So, so we, we spot what we're doing. We recognize it. We, we remember, I don't want to be found in, in that science for a project. I don't want to be found in front of that hunk of cardboard. And, and then we think how much greater it is to be able to rest in Christ and be found in close personal relationship with him. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. I love the thought of resting in Christ. That is a treasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening today. Mike has given us a heads up that we're going to be back in Philippians 3 next time as well in our next episode when we talk about Christian mentoring. But Mike has beat me there. That's the way it is. I can't measure up to Mike. I can't beat him. Uh, But that's not where I'm measuring my performance or my acceptance. We're looking to Christ for that. Thanks, everyone, for letting us be part of your lives today as we try to make the Bible part of your lives. We appreciate listening to the Practicology Podcast, and we hope you all have a great day. Yeah, God bless everyone, treasuring Christ with you.